Hello everyone, welcome to our first episode of podcast about all things related to traveling, interesting facts you might not know about. It's a lot more than just sharing our stories from our travels. We all know that traveling and education are the only things you can spend money on and that will make you richer. So we have decided to combine these precious things together and we gather all things of information which can come handy when you decide to step out of your comfort zone and explore the world around you. Why we have decided to record an episode about war customs? I was browsing through Facebook a couple of months ago and it was shortly after New Year's Eve and I found this post on Facebook about a very weird but interesting tradition from Russia. Apparently on New Year's Eve, what they, what Russian people do, they write down their wishes on paper and they burn the paper and they had to put the, the ashes from the paper in a glass uh, of their champagne, pour the champagne over the ashes and then drink it uh, in order to make the wish come, through, come true. And I find it quite weird. I know how about Lucia, but I just can't imagine that I would drink Uh, ashes in my drink. I mean, like, I can't even drink those, like, orange juice with, like, bits inside. It just, like, makes me a bit weird. So, yeah. Even the ashes might have that specific taste. I wouldn't really like to have it in my mouth. Yeah, it's something like... I love champagne, but not with yeah. ashes. I mean, imagine it would be... It could be basically, like, champagne with, like, barbecue sauce or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the, well, I found it really weird at first. And then I started questioning myself whether I do it or not so I like came to a conclusion that I wouldn't do it probably well what about you do you think that you'd be willing to do it or well you would never do it like never in your whole life like let us know on one of our social media platforms which you can find in the bio or you can use our very unique hashtag traf enthusiasts and yeah and tag us and tell us what you think about this weird custom as I said When I found it, I share this information with Lucia. Funnily enough, she shared her experience from New Year's Eve in Barcelona. I've been in Barcelona last year on New Year's Eve. What was interesting, they are not drinking alcohol when it's midnight. Before there is midnight, they start banging and ringing. And each ring, they need to eat one grape. And wow. they need to eat... 12 grapes before it turns midnight it should happiness and health and all these things and i found it interesting the kind of nature of spanish people they're like party people and they're not drinking alcohol but Instead of that, they're having grapes. That's actually so cool because, I mean, I think, like, obviously, I don't know customs in whole world, but I sort of connect New Year's Eve and parties on New Year's with alcohol. I mean, it's one of the reasons, like, you want to celebrate the upcoming year and people usually do celebrate with alcohol. But this is interesting. I think I would like it as well. Each bang, I would eat one grape. I mean, I love grapes, so I would probably, after midnight, finish the whole pack. It's really cool. Yeah, but naturally, we became more curious about unusual customs and traditions around the world. So we started searching and made a list of some of those we found the most interesting. That's how we basically decided to do this episode about war customs. Lucia, would you like to start with the first one? First custom we found really interesting and a bit of bizarre, I would 
would say. It's a Greek custom. They are spitting on a bride at weddings. It might sound disgusting, but it's not literally like when guys are spitting in the street. It's just a little bit of spit in Greek culture. It's kind of a good luck charm that is supposed to help ward off the devil. So they literally just do a sound effect of spitting like through. Oh yeah, like the foot foot foot. Oh, I get it. I mean, I imagine if it actually developed from an actual spitting, or if if they did this sound from the very beginning. I mean, imagine that you would be like a bride, and then you would have all the the whole nice gown bit with your family relatives. Oh. <laughs> the thing is, they don't do it only for weddings. But also for baptisms, for like a newborn. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds. I mean, I'm not uh, religious, so I can't really. I can't really say how it sounds. It's interesting tradition, but I'm glad that we don't do it. I mean, we do do it actually. When I think about, we do this sound to like when when you have like an important meeting or exam or something. We actually do this sound as well. That's actually interesting. I haven't. I would think say about it. we we might have this from Greeks because um, I can't see it in our culture. We would do that all the time. It's just I think I found it and I heard it from my grandparents most of the time, not from my parents. So it might be a really old custom. But to be fair, I was on a wedding of my friend, and she's Greek, but she married like a non-Greek guy. I think her husband is from Kurdistan. So I'm not sure, obviously. And she didn't have like Greek people on the wedding. Another custom is from USA and it's about tipping. It's actually really interesting because unlike other countries, tipping in the US is compulsory. It's usually between 10 to 20% from the whole bill. I found this really interesting because I'm gonna sound I'm my reputation now really lowers, I think, because the thing is, I don't tip. Not like I do tip when I'm like really super satisfied with the service. But when I'm just satisfied, like when everything was alright, I just don't care. Which is rude because I used to work in hospitality for four years now so I know how it feels like to get a tip but I don't do it I have to admit I don't tip that much so being in the US and have to do the tip well I'm glad I know it in advance now to be fair 10 to 20 percent that's that can be quite a lot don't you think well it depends how high is the bill for example if it's under 20 dollars it shouldn't be that bad it's like around two dollars uh-huh. but as long as you're paying quite a lot you might find yourself tipping quite a lot of money yeah i mean i had a flatmate uh his name is james if he's gonna listen to it hi james Uh, and he actually told me a story when he and his friends were in the US and they didn't have money for the tipping and then they didn't realize that the tipping is compulsory and they literally didn't have enough money to pay. So the waitress, she came to the table and they told her like that they need to go and that he had the money and obviously she, count, she counted the 
the bill and the money they gave her, but obviously it wasn't enough because it was missing the tip. So she was like, uh, hey, listen, I didn't get the tips and it's compulsory, so can you give me more money? Or like, Obviously she didn't say it like that, but you know what I mean. And they tried to explain to her that they didn't expect it, so they don't have enough money. Uh, and it was actually funny because she was really angry with them because they went away without paying the tip. She was literally shouting on them that that's the tips are the money that she lives from. I don't know if they get like proper wages of or if the tips are literally just the only thing they live from. I'm not sure. I think in America it it works differently like in the UK. When you're working in fast foods or restaurants, uh, you're earning much less than you would here in the UK. And that's why I think to make those waiters and waitresses work better and provide better customer service, I think it's good in that way that tipping helps because they're not earning much money. So when you feel miserable in your work because you're not earning much, you would be really mean to people. And I think there's tips because you're paying directly to those waiters it kind of encourages them yeah that's true i mean like if i would get a tip directly for myself and i wouldn't have to split it with other waitresses and with the whole team i would probably like obviously i would probably smile a lot more to the customers i have to admit but the thing is that before like in every waitressing job i did we always split the tips between each other yeah it's true that in in england it's different so i didn't mind obviously i'm not that greedy i didn't mind split in between all of us and to be honest when i was lastly in new york in a restaurant it was just a basic breakfast place i felt like their customer service is much better because sometimes in the uk you're waiting for the waitress or waiter much longer there you just sit down and they'll just come and really nicely to ask you what would you like to drink So I found it really interesting and when I was leaving I kind of forgot that they have tips and I paid by card. Actually the tip was already included in the bill. They brought you the bill and you need to write down how much you want that tip to be and I forgot. I was useless in mass at the at the moment. That was for sixteen dollars, and I put down. I think I remember it was four dollars fifty. I would say that's not ten or twenty percent as much more because <laughs> when I was counting it like recently, I found out that. I was supposed to just leave one dollar fifty or something like that. So well, I was at least, really yeah. generous. I yeah, was really... that's nice though. When I'm, uh, comparing to me, when I don't do tips at all most of the time, there are also people who give really fat tip. Don't follow me. Follow Lucia because she's the more generous one. <laughs> But talking about uh, taxi drivers, Lucia found an interesting fact from Australia. In Australia, if you're catching taxi and you're on your own, it's kind of your responsibility to maybe keep the taxi driver entertained and lead some short talk like how was his day and what is interesting it's only Australian people can understand this custom and it's more common amongst Australians but if you don't know at the end of your journey about cabbie's day they usually say that you should reconsider if you're a real Aussie 
<laughs> That's really funny. I haven't used taxi so much. I used it once when I was drunk. And when I'm drunk, I always talk a lot more. It's quite interesting that you should keep your taxi driver entertained. I mean, he's in job. And it's their job. Like, they usually should talk to their customers. It's the part of, I think, the customer service. To yeah, true. To yeah, they want to be, like, highly rated, so, right? So they should yeah. be, yeah, they should provide the entertainment. I have one more. This one, I found it, like, the label, like, baby tossing in India. And I was like, what? I mean... Baby tossing. So apparently in India, they drop newborns from 50 feet high temple in one of the state in southern India. And the reason for that is that they want to bring health and prosperity to the children's life. And I find it a bit dangerous. As bizarre as it might seem, there are people under the temple waiting for the infants with a blanket in order to catch them. But imagine... It's 50 feet high temple and they catch in small babies in a blanket. It's just crazy. I mean, who would do that? Like, what responsible parent would do that willingly? You It's never know what can happen, actually. Yeah. I don't think it's safe, even though they are holding those blankets underneath. Yeah. I can imagine doing it when, when you are in a building that's on fire and you have to jump out mm. of the building to the blanket, obviously. I can't even imagine, like, watching it. And, like, the funny fact is, the people who are catching the babies are, like, complete strangers. They are, like, just basically, like people who's passing by. So for the last section, we decided to invite a very special guest from Africa so we can provide you some sort of work customs information from the very first hand. Uh, it's Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for being here with us. Hi, everyone. It's my pleasure to be here today. So how are you today? I'm doing good, actually. You? Very good, thank you. Oh, great. Do you want to tell us where are you from? How was the transition from Tunis? I originally come from Tunisia and this is my first year studying in the UK and I'm doing a master's degree here in broadcast journalism. I would say even like the scenery, the weather, everything is different from North Africa. And I come from a very small town in the coastal region which is called Bqalta. And I mean, it's very small. I would say the weather is definitely warmer. I mean, we are kind of a Mediterranean country. So we've got beaches, we've got warm weather. So the sun is always shining and stuff like that. But I actually enjoy the rain and enjoy the cold here. It's just so irritating to be always in a warm weather. But yeah, architecture wise, everything is different as well because we have like sort of French architecture. So everything is different. The language, the customs, the culture, it's really, really different. And what made you choose England? Tunisia is in North Africa. Uh-huh. There's a difference between North Africa and South Africa, and we don't have, we don't share the same customs and cultures and languages. So my uh, mother tongue would be Arabic. Sometimes in South Africa, I'd find they speak English and French more, but my mother tongue is Arabic and my second language is French. And what made me choose England is because I wanted to study in English whilst in Tunisia, even though we speak a bit of English, we don't do our studies in English. It's mainly in French or or Arabic, unless you do an English literature or anything of the sort. What made me choose it is just because of of the field is very, very um, popular and broadcasting is really known for 
from England to be from England. I used to be like really a fan of the English culture and literature and stuff like that. So it was really opportune for me to come here. Yes, I think culture wise, I mean, in Tunisia, for example, we don't show intimacy on the streets. We are not, you're not allowed to kiss on the streets. Okay, for, for example, tourists and like foreign people would be able to do whatever they want to and we won't say anything and the police won't say anything. But if you are a Tunisian, for example, you're a couple and you're kissing on the streets, you might get into prison for six months. Just remind me when we did the research for this episode, we actually saw the article about French people kissing each other all the time when they meet. But in Tunisia, like for example, if you're a couple and you want to kiss or whatever, it usually happens in bars or inside a restaurant. It's never on a public location, let's say. I mean, I never saw anyone get caught because they were kissing, but it's like culture is peaking or like by the laws, it's unacceptable to do that. And I would say something very controversial. I'm not sure if you've noticed it. Have you ever been like to Morocco, to Morocco or any of Northern African countries? I saw countries? images, but I've never been to. I think Tunisia is a bit similar in some certain things like the concept of having the Medina. We have similar things with Morocco and with Algeria, but we have a differences as well. I think Tunisia is, it has some elements like, you know, that um, white and blue kind of architecture like you see in Greece. We have that in, in the capital in a place called Sidi Saïd, which is like something very, very famous and touristy. In North African countries, when you go and use the toilet, you will find some sort of, I don't know how to say it, it's like a toilet pipe. You know when you have a shower and you've got that thing, that the pipe that you shower with? Yeah. We have the same thing for toilets. But, you know, if you come as a tourist to Tunisia, in hotels, you don't find it. So something that North African people would always say when they go, like, traveling or go and live in foreign countries is that we don't find that. And for me, I'm like, how do you do it? <laughs> we eat a lot of spicy food. Tunis is known for harissa. Have you ever heard oh, of harissa? I, yes. I wanted to order something with harissa. <clears throat> okay. And I didn't know what is it. So I asked the waiter. He was like, uh, it's like a spicy jam or something like that. It's like a paste, a red paste made of pepper. Like, okay. it's spicy, but it's different to what you call like Indian spicy. It's not like that. It's really spicy. And we basically eat harissa with... But yeah, have you ever been like to a Tunisian restaurant? There are a couple, I think, or more than a couple in London. You'll find like the Sidi Bou Saïd decor, like I mentioned, and you'll find... Have you ever had couscous? Yes, I love couscous. It's It's like the easiest thing you can do when you are really lazy to cook. Do it properly, but like the way I'm doing it, it's just like that I put a couscous in the pan, like pour a hot water and leave yeah. it for five minutes, like covered. I didn't cook it. I just basically just pour it and I just leave it for five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like covered and then it soaks the water. It's like done. <laughs> it's not. We call it couscous uh-huh. in my language. It's couscous. So we eat couscous basically with everything. Okay, so you know, like in England, they have the Sunday roast dinner or something like that. Good thing mm-hmm. like you have it on a Sunday where the family kind of gathers around the table and we have it with vegetables. You can have it with fish, you can have it with meat, you can have it with lamb, you can have it with even octopus. But yeah, so couscous is like a really national dish. Like everyone loves couscous in Tunisia. I would like to share like some interesting facts for people who have never been to Tunisia. You know when I mentioned I come from Qalta? Actually, there's a really, really cool fact. Back in the 9th uh, century before Christ, you know, when the Roman and the Carthaginians used to exist. So basically, Tunisia was Carthage of, you know, the recent days. And the last battle, which is called the Battle of Tapsus, and Tapsus was the name of the place where I come from, which is Pqalta. And there's a small place in Pqalta where you've got, you've got like beaches and stuff, which is called Ras Dimes. 
And there happened the last battle, and you can find the ruins, but it's actually like not well protected and stuff like that. But when you go there and you go to the beach, you'll find some ruins, which are like the ruins of the last battle, which is called the Battle of Tapsus. And what another interesting fact is that are you guys a fan of um, fans of Star Wars? Oh yeah. yeah, I, I mean, don't like saw like <laughs> first three episodes and then I sort of gave up. Yeah, but I, I don't. I've never watched it and I, I mean, don't like uh, it. But the first three episodes were like the oldest ones. That's why like I like it. Boring, but it it's getting better. Like trust me, from fourth episode to like okay. the last one, it's really cool. But did you know that some of the scenes that I were actually filmed in Tunisia? There's a planet I have and I, I, I didn't watch it, so you might confirm this. There's a planet in Star Wars called Tatooine. I think so. And Tatooine is actually a place in Tunisia. And who wrote the script of Star Wars and make made that happen was inspired from when he actually went to Tatooine in Tunisia. And you, if you go there, you'll find some of the places. It's like It's had like that extraterrestrial kind of atmosphere or mood into it. So it got inspired from that. And he actually made um, Star Wars. And some of the scenes were filmed in Tatooine and other places in south of Tunisia. So, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a cool one. <laughs> incredible when you think about like so many nice places in the movies we don't know you expect it out like in american countries yeah and then they are like in the middle of nowhere somewhere you have never heard of exactly i didn't know that to be honest as this episode is about world customs and we picked quite a few weird ones have you got any special customs typical only for tunisia you're not sharing with other african (laughs) countries Okay, you know when you guys do weddings, you do like one day, right? We do six days. Oh, okay. You must be rich. To- I would say like people in my generation wouldn't go that far nowadays. It's more we're doing it the European way. It's just mm-hmm. one night and one party and stuff like that. But people in some villages, they take it very, very seriously. It's like six nights and seven days or six days. Mm-hmm. And they like separated. One, the the bride would take care of that. And like the groom would do some like events. It's like divided between oh, okay. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever guys had henna done on your hands? I did. I had a, like a. I did, but the thing is, I, that I had like, like a Batman sign here. I I could choose what I wanted, so I chose like a Batman sign because I thought it's gonna be really cool. <laughs> but like the lady <laughs> who did it to me, yeah, she didn't do it very well. It was like all like blurred and it was weird. Yeah, it takes ages to take to for it like to be gone from your hand. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the type and quality. Weddings are for like. Henna, we usually like have a whole ceremony that's called also, we call it henna, Mm -hmm. basically where the bride would wear the traditional uh, clothes, which is called lahrim. They basically do henna in her hands and she will like literally stand there and you'll find like, let's call it a band, which we call it lmashta. And they will make some tunes and people will be dancing. And it's all females, okay? And in a certain point of the party, we will have the groom's family that will come and sit on the front row. And they will give much, like, lots of money and gifts um, to the bride. I think if you ever got a chance to actually attend that, it's very, very different. You know, like, Indian people, they do their wedding ceremonies, like, they take it to extremes. We do the same. Is it non-stop so you can't even sleep or is it just, like, they can take breaks in those weddings? You will have, like, one day, like, as a break, for example, to prepare for the next events or whatever. But it's usually very, very intense, yeah. It's, just, like, six days full on. sleep at some point. Can you choose your groom? Yes. 
it, back in the days, you can't. Uh-huh. It's, it's more like it's not like you can't. It's more like your family decides. Yeah. The one who will kind of decide the marriage will come and ask you, do you want to marry this guy? And and obviously, technically, you can't say no because it's your dad who gave the decision. Mm-hmm. But now it's not like that. Or you you kind of date and then you can choose whoever you want to marry. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it depends. There are some conservative families who won't let you do that, but it's usually now. It's not, like, a big deal now. In Tunisia, that's forbidden. That's, like, illegal. You can't do that. That's actually better than... I know that some Muslim countries do that. Mm. Like, a man can have, like, several wives, which I fine okay. <clears throat> yeah it, it's just it, it pisses me off personally it's just a patriot what patriarchal yeah. societies do so yeah and i think because we've got several communities like jewish communities and christian communities in tunisia and there's an island in tunisia called jirba which is a very touristy place and you will find many jewish people live in there jewish communities live in there it's very like we've got that mixture of italians and french and tunisians so you'll find many people like living there I met an Italian man at a train station once and he said, you know, whenever I go to any African or Arab countries, when I come to Tunisia, I just don't feel the difference between it and Europe because there's a lot of, mix, you know, a mixture of ethno- ethnographic kind of backgrounds. Great. Thank you for being here with us. I just suppose that you don't realize how big the differences between some nations are until you really dive in. For example, before I moved here to the UK, I know what to expect. I think I can never be fully prepared. Even we are European countries. We've got many different customs usually because as we are religious country we've got many customs during christmas and easter and most of the time during the easter it's guys are coming on the easter monday to pour the really cold water on them on the girls yeah That's actually so funny. That's so weird because we do this thing in my country as well, but we do it with the boys. Like, I'm so surprised now because Ray and Lucia's country are pretty similar. We used to be one stay, one country. So most of our customs, even our languages, each of us, we talk different language, but we can understand each other. Yeah, so before, like, on a, on a Easter Monday, they're hitting us with sticks in order to keep us young and healthy. And then afternoon... After 12, we are allowed to pour the cold water over the guys. I see it as a revenge. We are giving them uh, Easter eggs, painted Easter eggs. As a, That's a funny thing. They're going to hit us. Oh, well, but you, you give them eggs. Some girls, they're giving them money. Oh my Some God. guys earn like uh, hundreds of euros <gasps> on this God. day. And then chocolate eggs. Guys pouring the water over you. Yeah. And do they hit you as well? Yeah. Well, they do both. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. That's even worse than in my country. This is our War Customs first episode of our travel podcast. We hope you liked it. And hopefully you will join us for our second episode, which is coming in two weeks. Yay! Thank you for listening to us. Stay tuned for more content on our socials. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Bye.